Hello, and welcome to Bookstore Explorer, the show where we go behind the shelves with indie booksellers to find out what makes independent bookshops such magical places. I'm author Matt Browning, and my guest today is Fred Powell, who opened Main Street Books in Frostburg, Maryland, over 30 years ago. It's one of my favorite shops. In fact, earlier this year, Fred invited me to be a guest bookseller in the store and to spend the night in the shop. Two very cool experiences that we chat about today. We also talk about Fred's decades in the business and his experiences visiting Scotland's famed book town. So come along as we go bookstore exploring. Fred, welcome to Bookstore Explorer. You've been one of my most anticipated guests. So I'm glad you're finally here. <laughs> finally, I made it. Yes. In fact, I don't know that my listeners know, but my little podcast image that you know goes up with each episode is a picture that I took in your shop. Oh, really? Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So that's the first great. thing <laughs> the first thing that I like to do is have have my guests. Give us a physical description of the space and sort of walk us through your shop mm-hmm. so that they can mm-hmm. they can visualize the shop. So so walk us through Main Street Books. Okay, well, you're in the uh, major intersection of Main Street in beautiful downtown Frostburg, which is in far western Maryland in the Appalachian Mountains, about 2,000 feet up in the air. Um, I'm pretty much in the dead center of town at the major intersection. Uh, my building is an old furniture store slash funeral home. So it's a huge building that was built in about 19, late 1916, 17, somewhere around there. Um, so the first floor, which is where I'm located, um, is was the old furniture store. And so it's a huge space, about 3,000 feet, 3,000 square feet, but it has 14-foot ceilings, which a beautiful tin ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, um, provides just tons of space for tons of books. So when you walk in the store, for the most part on the right-hand side of the store is nonfiction, left-hand side is fiction, uh, children's is in the far left-hand corner, going down the middle are cards and music and gifts and trinkets and stationery and calendars because it's that time of year Mm -hmm. um as well as a pretty large poetry section um going down the left hand side we start with uh just general fiction then we have classic science fiction mysteries um and then on the right hand side we have um you know, maybe your general sort of nonfiction stuff, you know, with sports um, but and uh, current events, memoir, psychology. Uh, but the biggest section in the store, in the most popular section in the store, is actually over on that right-hand side, which is our nature and science section. And it gets two huge bookcases devoted to that topic alone. Um, it's, it's probably our biggest selling category. And then after that, you get the four... Far back on the right-hand side is the children's department with everything except young adult. Um, And that accounts for about 25 to 40% of our business at any given time. We have a large children's section as well. Um, And then, uh, you know, with a few other exciting things thrown in that gives you a rough floor plan of what the store looks like. I'm interested to hear that 
one of your biggest selling genres is the science and nature. Has it always been that way? Why do, and why, why do you think that's so popular there? Um, so when I originally opened my store, which uh, the Friday after Thanksgiving, we started our 34th year. Um, and in, within the first couple months of my being open, some customers um, who knew each other weren't planning on arriving at the store together, stopped in and we were just kind of talking about this new bookstore that had just opened in town, which was mine. And they were just sort of like making suggestions about, well, maybe you should carry this, maybe you should carry that. Cause I didn't really know what to carry when I first opened. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got around to this talk about nature, nature writing um, and ecology. And, um, you know, I saw, I started dabbling in that and it just, it just took off. And, you know, this was way before, you know, we had books about climate change and all this other different stuff that's going on. But there was already things, you know, like, like um, you know, Aldo Leopold and Sand County Almanac and Rachel Carson. And and so that we kind of started with the classics and, and it just kind of bloomed from there. No pun intended on that, actually. <laughs> um, and um, and then I, I dabbled with field guides, um, you know, like Audubon birds. Well, we now carry every Audubon guide and every Peterson guide and every field guide we can possibly get our hands on. Um, uh, you know, how to identify mushrooms. We probably have 10 different books on that. Um, and so we've just established quite a following for that because it's been really well stocked for like 34 years. Huh. And it's hard to find a store that consistently keeps all that stuff in stock. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you come in and you need a, a field guide to bats, well, we're probably going to have three of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so people know that and they'll just, they'll, they'll just make one trip and just come to my store. So that's kind of how it started with, was a couple customers with a similar interest, making some title suggestions. And, you know, I first came into your shop, it was either 2020 or 2021 for the first time. I've been a couple of times now and one of my favorite things that you had mm-hmm. was right in the front, a display of books about bookstores, which yeah. I am clearly drawn to. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and I think you were one of the first shops that I saw do that. And I've seen it a couple since then. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a great, a great draw. So everybody stole my good idea, which, which, <laughs> is, which, is, which is always a compliment uh, to yeah. be copied. Uh, but I, I don't think they probably did that. It's it's, it's actually an <laughs> industry trend that's happening. There is, you know, I started that section with with a, only a few books, to be honest with you, because it was interested. It interested me. I would read them, and I go, oh, you know, we'll we'll get some of these, and we'll recommend them. And now it's gotten into, you know, there's bookstore romances, there's books on how to run a bookstore, there's diaries of booksellers, there's. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of exploded. My, my, my little section is actually, I I need to find a new home for it. There is so much (laughs) stuff about bookstores now. Um, because, you know, we all know what everybody's dream is. I'm living the dream. You're living my dream. Right. 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 This is my, this is my attempt to make that dream reality until until I get to the point where I could. Right. Right. (laughs) So let's talk about the history of the shop. You said you are celebrating an anniversary this year. So walk us back to the beginning of Main Street Books. <laughs> what inspired you to open a bookstore? Oh, well. Um, so I moved here from Philadelphia uh, with my with my wife, who is from this area, and my then six-month-old daughter. 
And so both of us gave up our jobs. We were living in the Philadelphia area, gave up our jobs and moved back here to be closer to my wife's parents. Um, and my wife uh, ended up getting a job before we actually landed here. And um, I did not, but that was okay because I we decided I would just stay home with our daughter for a while because we were new here. We didn't know childcare, all that stuff. But in the back of my mind, because I'd worked in retail for 10 years prior to moving here, but doing it for other people and using their money, not my own, um, I kind of thought about opening a store. I didn't know what it was going to be. So um, I... After we've been here about two months, I put my daughter in a stroller and we started walking through town and I started talking to business owners along Main Street about, yeah, I'm thinking of opening a store. What do you think I should open? And somewhere along the way, someone suggested a bookstore. And so then I put that kid back in that stroller and we walked around town again and I talked to everybody a second time who I talked to. And I said, somebody suggested a bookstore. And almost every single person said, I think that's a great idea. We haven't had a bookstore in Frostburg for probably 15 years. Hmm. So that's kind of what started it. So then I had to find a location. And, you know, it took me about a year to, to get it all together. Um, and so in November of 1989, the day after Thanksgiving, I opened my store in my first location, um, which is which was about 1,500 square feet. Um, and because I thought it would be weird to call it like Fred's bookstore because nobody knew me. I had just moved to town. I went with main street books and I knowing how many main street books there are in this country. <laughs> um, and I stayed in that location for 10 years. Um, and it was, I started when I opened that store on the day after Thanksgiving, my bookcases hadn't arrived yet. Um, hmm. And, but I had a few books and I had two card racks and that was about it. <laughs> and I had one part-time employee and um, who worked like two days a week. And I did all the rest of the hours. Um, and slowly over time, it, it built and built and built. And um, then in 2000, I was actually, um, my building was sold and I had a new landlord who, in essence, wanted to evict me. Um because he wanted me to renegotiate a new lease with him because my old lease went with the sale of the building. Mm -hmm. And so I just called his bluff and I moved to my present location, which is actually right next door to my old location and doubled my size overnight um, and doubled my sales by 25% in the first year by that move. Um, and because the community has been incredibly supportive of my bookstore, I always felt like I was sort of like pushing on the financial boundaries of the town. Like how much longer can they keep supporting me? And they just keep doing it. Um, I've just been really, really lucky that way. And as the store got bigger and the inventory got deeper and larger, um, the town just kept going with it. Um, so now we're a store that has... 50 categories or more, 25,000 plus books. Um, I mean, we are packed to the gills. When I moved to this new store, I thought, I'll never be able to fill this. I just doubled my size. Mm -hmm. Well, it only took about nah, two or three years. Because <laughs> so, I've been in this current location for 22 years. Uh, it's just amazing how 
the books multiply overnight or something. They're like bunnies. I don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> and, and and also, I, it's you, there are so many good books. It's really hard to say no when you're a buyer. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, here we are now. We just started our 34th year this past Friday. And we just had our largest sales day in my 34 years wow. this past Small Business Saturday. I never thought I could ever beat last year's. And we went over it by several hundred dollars. So it just it just blows me away what this store does. I just I'm, go for the ride. Yeah. <laughs> Having been in business so long, you know, you've kind of been working through the rise of the chain bookstores and the mm-hmm. rise of online buying and mm-hmm. e-readers and everything that people have said would kill the independent bookstore. <laughs> right, right, yeah. I mean, yeah. did you have your ups and downs? Oh gosh, yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes, yes. Um, no, when I when I think back on it, um, it it could have been so much worse. And part of, part of it early on was I was more naive and didn't really know. I, I just kept going. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, for example, the first. So I got a, I got a bank loan. I started my business, and, and I tell this story all the time. I, I started my business with a loan of forty thousand dollars from a bank, who thought it was really wild that I actually came in and asked for a business loan, and I presented a business plan because people generally didn't do that back in nineteen eighty eight or eighty nine. Um, and so they were willing to to fund me for forty thousand dollars, and then my parents gave me ten thousand dollars, and so that's how it started. Uh, so so it was really small, and um, and and I and I kept it small intentionally so I could just sort of, sort of build on its own. Um, but then about two years in, I felt I was having this cash flow issue. And it was because I think I was too tied into the net 30, net 60 world. And it was just like, oh, you know, I could have just gone another month and not paid them. You know, what, what would be the worst thing? They just wouldn't ship me something. But I was I was too young and naive to know about that stuff. So mm-hmm. I got a second loan from that same bank who I was, you know, up, applaud them for that. Um, it was it was small it was but it was enough to tie me over mm-hmm. uh, and so that was my first crisis second crisis was probably you know um the the big boxes which mm-hmm. didn't actually come out here we don't have a large enough population base so the biggest the the closest big box to me was an hour and a half in any direction um then after that it was amazon who came along who at that point, when they started, was going to be the largest, you know, online bookseller before they diversified. Um, and fortunately, where I was, where I live here now, um, we hadn't really gotten big into computers. So a lot of people didn't even have computers to order these books from Amazon. So they still were relying on me. Um, so it is sometimes nice to be in places that are a little bit behind the times. Mm-hmm. Um and then by the time everybody was kind of computerized in the early, early 2000s, late 1990s, um, you know, I was already firmly established in, in the community and in people's minds. So they already felt guilty ordering a book online. <laughs> so, um, and then, but, but, you know, then, then we rolled along again for a few years going fine. But then we had, you know, 2007, 2008, 2009, um, you know, that wasn't pretty, the, you know, the great 
recession, the Great Depression, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I mean, we survived, um, but it was that, that was a that was a low point in in business. So I'll, I'll be mm-hmm. honest with you. Um, but we somehow made it. I, I didn't have to get any more bank loans or anything, but it. Um, it, it was, you know, it was a slow couple of years, um, but that was true every place. Mm-hmm. Um, then we made it through that one. And then, of course, we had the unexpected pandemic, right? Um, which was an experience that hopefully I will not have to repeat, but certainly had no experience in that. And, um, you know, to have the state government say, your store is closing in two days or one day, um, you know, it, you know, it's like, wow, what do you do? Um, so we were closed for two months at that point before we opened in a modified version for a few more months after that. Um, so those are sort of like the four, the four major, you know, upheavals mm-hmm. in the history of my bookstore. During the pandemic, when you were able to open with modified mm-hmm. operations, did you do like the curbside? I know a lot of people were doing mm-hmm. curbside or mail order, that kind of thing. Uh, we did, I, I, I should say I did because for the two months we were closed, I worked in the bookstore. Um, I had to lay my employees off. Um, so, but I was working in the bookstore, um, and I did anything I needed to do to create business. So I did, I did, well, I couldn't do curbside during those two months. Um, but I did, um, you know, mail order or, or drop ship from the publisher or from the distributor, um, or I would deliver it to your house and leave it on your front door. Um, you know, for two months, the only person I ever saw every day was the UPS man <laughs> who left it outside the store. He didn't even come in um, because, you know, there was no, I had the largest office. I had a 3000 square foot office, you know, mm-hmm. and um, it was quite an experience, but I, I would do any, anything I could do to, to bring in business. I did. Um, and because of that, we were, our sales were about 50% for those two months, which was pretty good. I have never worked that hard in my life. Um, but it, it felt really good when I could start bringing my booksellers back. Um, and with that, we expanded that to even more. Um, we could do more home deliveries. We actually had one of the people did bike delivery locally in town. We could do curbside at that point also. Um, and then, and people could come in if they wanted to come in, but we had to like count numbers and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you just kind of do, at least I did anything I could do, but you were totally inventing it as you went. Yeah. Does it surprise you that, you know, you said you're have, you've had your best, mm-hmm. you know, sales day just mm-hmm. recently and even mm-hmm. the year before was doing well. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's a product of emerging from the pandemic or maybe also, you know, the national trend of wanting to shop small again, probably a combination of both. Um, yeah, you kind of answered your own question, but I think <laughs> it's also that um, at least in, 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 our, in our my small town, um, people being at home all the time and in town all the time um, learned a lot about their small town that they just weren't even paying attention to. Um, I don't think we lost any businesses in my little town during mm-hmm. the pandemic. Um, I think we lost maybe one restaurant um, because people realized how fortunate they were to have these stores and that all these business owners were trying in some way to keep going and to keep the services and the goods flowing in town. 
Um, and because of learning that, I don't think they have unlearned it yet. And mm -hmm. the support for any event that's in town, you know, like an arts walk or um, a cultural event or whatever, the town just flocks to it because it's just amazing how, I think they felt like really um, privileged to have all this stuff in town. And we want to, we, we realize that now and we want to hold on to it. And we've, so we've had a number of new businesses that have opened in the last year, year and a half as well. So we're kind of like a hop in town right now. That's great. That's great. Yeah. You know, bookstores too are opening up. I live in West Virginia, as you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we lost maybe three shops during the pandemic, but we have opened six. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a national trend, which is, well, I, you know, I think, I think the bookstore story and during the pandemic is, is a story unto, unto itself mm -hmm. um, because people were at home and they certainly started reading more. Um, and, and the book industry kind of kept rolling. I mean, they, some, some books were canceled or whatever, but we still got new books and, and warehouses were still working in some way. So the, the book industry really didn't shut down during the pandemic. Um, and, you know, everybody had all this old backlist to draw from in their stores. And, um, so we had, we were sort of in a prime position for being locked down. Mm -hmm. And also, we all learned to carry jigsaw puzzles. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I jokingly said that during the pandemic and right after the pandemic, that my store should be named Main Street Jigsaw Puzzles and Some Books. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I was in your shop was earlier this year. And I remember some, some young people came in and they were asking if you had these titles and they were all... <clears throat> kind of book talk and TikTok popular mm -hmm, titles. Mm -hmm, are you mm -hmm. are you seeing that kind of thing a lot? Oh a lot of, constantly. Yeah. Constantly. It's um it has amazed me and pleased me how um that has really been successful. Uh, it certainly has created a whole author that we didn't even know about named Colleen Hoover. I didn't even right. know who she was before that. I've had other um, guests and, tell me yeah, that. But the, but the <laughs> part that, that's pleasing for me is that the books that they're picking have had incredible that that has sustained the sales have sustained for such a long time so they're not like a flash in the pan kind of a thing i mean you know lots of times you'll get a book that strikes for a week or two but i mean i'm still strongly selling some of these titles for nine months or a year and so um i'm not a, i'm not actually on tiktok but i hear from customers about what books they're talking about um, and it just amazes me how well they sell. And it seems like the, the readers are really pleased with the books that they're getting recommended. So they're really relying on them as a source for title suggestions. Now, I know you do events some too, because I was, I was at your shop to do a book signing. So, mm -hmm. so do you do that kind of thing often? What, and what other kind of events do you do? Um, Pre-pandemic, we did all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. We had piano recitals for kids. We, you know, really? uh, we had a, we had, we had a book club. We had a book club that went for 20 some odd years. I suspended it during, obviously when the store closed and I, I opted not to restart it again. Um, but, uh, and we had readings and we had, you know, you name it. We 
probably had it at some point here. Um, you know, we had Girl Scouts selling cookies out in front of the store. Um, art classes. Now um, we have started doing some book signings again. We haven't really done any readings yet because, um, well, one we haven't had an option to do one, and um, until recently, I'm not sure people would want to have sit and sat in the bookstore for an extended period of time. Um, but we have done some some book signings with like local authors and stuff, and most have been successful. Um, so at this point, that's kind of where we are. We've had more people asking about doing things in the bookstore now. And where we live, where I live, January and February are horrible winter months. So we almost never schedule anything during that time. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we may be back to doing more of the full range of things um, come this spring. We also did a film series in the bookstore. I just happened to think of that, where we suspended a, a screen from the ceiling huh. and we showed films at one time of the theater in the in the bookstore. So we have probably tried it all, some successful, some <laughs> not. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're you're a community hub, which which so many great bookstores are. Yeah. It, it's something I don't know what it is about bookstores that that they almost always are. Um and I don't know if it's because uh, you know there's so much, so many different things of interest within your store that it just draws all sorts of different people. But so often, uh, the bookstore is a community hub. I mean, and now I am in a, a really great location in town, and I am actually the largest physical store in town. Um, but um, and I do, and I am open seven days a week. But um, for some reason, everybody wants to do something in the bookstore. Yeah, so, so the. And, and I'm lucky that I have lots of space to do that. Yeah, yeah. So right. <laughs> I I mentioned being in your shop earlier this year for a book right. signing, but yeah. I got to do a couple of other cool things that you invited me to do when I was there yes. that I jumped at the chance to do. <laughs> and I remember my friend, my friends were like, really? That doesn't sound like fun at all. And I'm like, are you crazy? <laughs> so I got to spend a couple of hours being a bookseller in the shop. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. which was fantastic. Now that's not enough time to really get really too deep into it, but right. I was really, really intrigued and interested in your inventory system and your, you know, your point of point of purchase uh -huh. Uh -huh. system, because I talked to especially new shops on the podcast and they talk uh -huh. about, you know, the trials and travails of going through the card systems and the electronic mm -hmm. inventory. We don't have the electronic <laughs> We don't do that. No, so tell me, tell me so how you want me to try to describe that. And if I remember correctly, one of my booksellers took you through the process of, yes. of, of how we do it. I um, did the cards during my yeah, two Yeah, you hours, did the cards. Which... And, and I should tell you that you only had about three or four hours. It takes approximately three to four months for us to fully train a bookseller in my store because we are <laughs> so hands-on. Um, we virtually, we have a computer. But I mean, and I use it for ordering, you know, and emails and all that stuff. But our inventory is actually kept by hand. So if you buy a book, you come up to the cash register area and we write it on the pad, what we refer to as the pad, which is a steno pad, if you know what that is. Um, and every book you buy, we write down. And then behind the cash wrap area is a three, six, nine, nine boxes. And in those boxes are individual cards with the titles of the books on them. So if you buy a copy of the diary of Anne Frank, um, 
you would go to that card and you would look to see what we had in stock. We had one in stock. We sold it today, which means we have none left. We need to reorder. And we have a symbol system on that pad that tells me what we're doing. Do I remember reordering this or how many are left? Or uh, And people write me little notes, um, you know, like, like, you better get some more of these. We still, you know, this is sewing really well. And so, so that's how we keep track of it. We do it entirely by hand. And then when, so the books are reordered, they get delivered by our wonderful UPS man, and we unload the boxes and check everything in. Then the books are divided by your area of coverage as a bookseller. I currently have three booksellers that work there. So, uh, and one does children's exclusively because there's just so much there. Um, and the other two guys do the rest, other parts of the store based on their interests for the most part. Um, then you take the book and you put it back on the card <laughs> to show that there's one, two or three or whatever in stock. And then you put that card back into the card file. Um, so, the, the beauty of that is you really know the stock in the store. Mm-hmm. And most of the booksellers will know in their head, especially on popular titles, if we have it in stock or not, where it is. Um, it's, it's hard to stump them for the most part. Um, unless it's a more obscure title, you only sell once a year or once every three years. You know, if it's a regular, title like the screw tape letters for some reason we're having the c.s lewis thing going on where we just can't keep him in stock um you know the guy who oversees that area of coverage knows oh yeah we sold it yesterday because i i saw it on the pad and and it's reordered and we'll get it in two days and it's over here you know so that's why it takes a long time to know the store Mm -hmm. um but once you got it you got it in your head well i can imagine it sticks in your memory better when you're Mm -hmm actually yes. handwriting something versus as scanning, opposed to scanning, scanning barcodes yeah mm-hmm. it, then you don't even have to pay any attention you just listen for the beeps i mean this year you know the there is some research that says you know writing things down is different than typing it on a computer or scanning it mm-hmm. um so they're physically looking at the book because also on those inventory cards you do things like price changes or whatever so you have to examine the book and half the time i see the booksellers, oh, they're reading the back of that book because they, well, they weren't really familiar with that. Um, so they also know the books really well. Um, so if you're if you're the guy who oversees theology or whatever, you, know, you haven't maybe read a lot of the books, but you've read all the covers, front and back and inside, and you know how much it costs and um, you know where it came from. Oh, that's a Harper title. Oh, that's a Random House title. You know, so um, so you the, the knowledge base is just phenomenal. Was that sort of the system that you started with? Something similar? Uh, it was because, so I went to, to the American Booksellers um, Association's um, Prospective Bookseller School, uh, which was held in Florida at that time. It, it was traveled around the country. And let's see, that would have been the spring of 1989. I went to Florida to a three-day bookseller school and where they had experienced booksellers talk to prospective booksellers about how to do it. Um, and it was, it was amazing um, experience. And, and one I often look back on as like a really good decision to do. Mm-hmm. And I encourage other people who are thinking of running a bookstore to do that. Um, 
but you also, by doing that, you got all sorts, you became a member of the American Book Association. And one of the things you got was a pack of forms. And in the forms was the template for the inventory card because nothing was computerized at that point, unless you were, you know, super, you know, Barnes and Noble might've been computerized, but no small independent bookstore was computerized in 1988, 88 or 89. Um, So that's how we started. Um, And I never had the money to um, upgrade and I'm lazy. I didn't really feel like doing it. Uh, (laughs) Because you would have had to like input all those books that you had in the store into the system. And it just seemed like it was too much work. So now it is such an incredible novelty (laughs) (laughs) that people take pictures of us doing this. They will see all those boxes behind the cash registers and like, what is that? Um, And we're like, well, that's how we keep track of our inventory. Like, really? So we actually show people all the time how we do this Um, because nobody who's opening a bookstore now would do this. And I don't know if if there's any bookstores left who actually do this. I've mentioned it to, you know, a couple of the new shops that I've talked about and they (laughs) They just go (laughs) wide-eyed. Yeah, they're like, but they probably first thought, why? Um, but yeah, I told you how much I started the business with. So I didn't have a lot of money, uh, but and it didn't cost much to do, get those cards reproduced. So um, I, I, we, we still do it. And it, it's now kind of a, if if you've done it long enough, it's, it's incredibly easy. Mm-hmm. Well, and if yeah. it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Exactly. They always say. Exactly. Yeah. Now, one of the other cool things you let me do was spend the night in your shop. Right. <laughs> right. Which I right. was very excited about. Well, you know and I would, you know, I, I just threw that out there and I was like, oh, he'll never do this. And you're like, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> well, you know, the trip was originally going to be like my partner and I and our dogs. Right. And when that right. came on the table, I'm like, right. I'm going solo. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry for your family and dogs. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know if our listeners might get something in their heads of maybe like, an Airbnb room above the shop or something, but <laughs> no, who was it? Yeah, you, no, you were you very had clear. A, uh, one of my booksellers had a, a a camping cot, and he brought that over, and you were literally amongst the bookcases, uh, in your sleeping bag, um, for the night. And I loved every yeah. second of it. <laughs> yeah, you you got to you got to see what was going on in Main Street at two o'clock in the morning, and you could and if I said you can wander and read and do whatever you want um, while you were there. And uh, and you survived. And I tried to stay up late because I'm I am early to bed, early to rise. But I uh-huh. thought, how often am I going to have this at my disposal? <laughs> right, <Very nice. laughs> right, yeah, right, right. I right. think I made it maybe an hour or two later than my. Oh, normal that's good. That was, that was good. That was good. <laughs> but I, I and I don't know if this is true, but I mm-hmm. I the first time we met, we got to mm-hmm. talking about um, Wigtown. Yes. The book town in mm-hmm. Scotland. Mm-hmm. And you know, there mm-hmm. they have they have an Airbnb experience where yes, you can do. work and stay in the shops. Mm-hmm. So I which thought which I that, have done. Which I have done. So that's which which I was very envious yeah. of. I but know. I imagine was that was that probably your idea of inviting me to do that as your shop? Um or were you just being nice? <laughs> <laughs> well, both. Um actually there's another bookstore in Wigton that actually has a bed in the bookstore. And they, but they just use it for guests because they live upstairs. And so when they have guests come and they, and they need rooms, they let somebody sleep down there. Um, and, but I, um, you know, I had one of my booksellers one time sleep in the front window of the store as a fundraiser for his campus organization. We have a small 
college in town of about 5,000 students, Frostburg State University. And he worked, he went to school there, but he worked for me. And as a fundraiser for one of his student organizations, he um, agreed to spend the weekend in the display window. Um, and people would like pledge to see how long he could make it. And he made it for, uh, let's see, Friday night through Saturday night and left Sunday morning. So he he made it for what he said he was going to do. And people would come and they'd, you know, hold up signs and, you know, and it was great fun. So you were the second person that okay. I know of to sleep in the bookstore. <laughs> and and I would do it more often, but, you know, it's it's sort of um, sort of uh, camping in the rough. So, you know, it's um, not it's not for everybody. No, but. Yeah. But and also it also comes from the uh, the tumbleweeds idea from Shakespeare and Company in Paris. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where they have beds within the bookstore as well. And people can sleep there at night and work in the bookstore during the day. Well, you know, every time I go into a bookstore, I feel like, God, there's not enough time to really look at everything closely. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. but I was able to that night. You were actually able to do that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. So I mentioned at the top of the show that that you were one of my most anticipated guests when I started. Um, you were one of the first people I reached out to, but you were uh -huh. off to Scotland. I was. At that time. So so tell me just a little bit about about what we're talking about in case our listeners okay. aren't familiar with this. Sure. With this um, so in, um, you had mentioned the, the, the book, the Airbnb bookstore in Wigton, Scotland, which is in the Southwest portion section of Scotland, the, the lesser developed part of Scotland, um, kind of very remote and kind of forgotten. Um, and they um, have the designated book town for the country of Scotland. They had to compete to get it and they got it. Um, and as a way to hopefully increase tourism. Um, so um, one of the things that they came up with was this Airbnb idea where you could run a bookstore that was owned um, by the Wigton Book Festival. I'll tell you about that in a second. Um, and you would live upstairs. That was the Airbnb part. And you could run this small bookstore downstairs that they had stocked, but it was yours for the week and you could do whatever you want. You change the window displays, you can move things around, you could do whatever you want. Um, and I heard about this in 2016, I think, in some newsletter from some bookstore thing. And about a man who was in publishing and when he retired, he did that as like a gift to himself. And I thought, well, that sounds like fun. So um, I was able to get it for two weeks in January of 2017. And my wife and I went over and ran the bookstore for two weeks. And that's how we discovered Wigton, um, which is this magical town um, of 900 people. But it has 16 bookstores. Um, at that time, they were all secondhand, which we call used. Um, and then they also have this book festival called the Wigtown Book Festival, which uh, is the second largest book festival in Scotland. The one in Edinburgh is the first, which is held in August. And in September, they have the Wigtown Book Festival. And so in 2019, my wife and I went back and were volunteers at the Wigtown Book Festival. So for 10 days, we did whatever they needed us to do. Um, you know, we were volunteers and um, we would, you know, host or usher at events. They held about 240 book events over 10 days. And um, it was so much fun. And we also got to stay with some booksellers that we met there. And so I also helped them in their bookstore. Um, and they have a huge bookstore called the Old Bank Bookshop. 
um, which is right in the center of town and which is also where the festival is held. Um, so we did that in 2019. And then in 2022, they actually brought the festival back. They had done it online previously during the pandemic. So my wife and I decided to go back again. <laughs> so we were there in uh, and mid-September to the to early October for another Week 10 Book Festival, um, doing a lot of the same things we had done before. Um, and again, it was just amazing. Um, it's a little town, but the festival brings in oh, thousands of people um, and authors, you know, British authors who, Irish authors, Scottish authors who are bringing out new books want to be at this festival. Um, so they have no problem getting great big names at this festival. Um, and, uh, you know, I get to sit in the back and watch the whole thing. You know, so it's, it's, it's just amazing. One of the things that my wife and I have, have become famous for is that we're the morning setup team. So at 830 <laughs> in the morning, we and a couple other people would go to the different venues and there was like four or five. They have a great big festival tent. That's their, that's where their main speakers, the big speakers are, which have like 400 seats or so. And we would make sure that every venue is ready to start the day. So the chairs are all back in order. The floor is clean. Um, there's, there's water and glasses for the speakers. Um, uh, so we set it up for the day basically, which takes for about an hour and a half to uh, about an hour and a half, two hours. Um, and that's how we would start our day every morning for 10 days. Um, and then later in the day, we would, um, uh, they call it stewarding. I guess I'd more call it ushering, but you know, like you check tickets when people come in, um, mm -hmm. you know, show them to their seats, help people that may need help, you know, assistance in any way to get to the venue or whatever. Um, and so we would do that kind of stuff. And then we also helped out in our friend's bookstore because we stayed in this bookstore again. Um, and so I think we kind of become regulars there now. <laughs> so, cause we like actually know people, <laughs> we would walk down the street and people would be like, Oh, it's Fred and Kathy for America. <laughs> so that This is the first time that's actually happened. So that's funny. Do you find yeah. a lot of difference differences in the, you know, the, the, the book selling experience over there versus here? Uh, yes. Um, they, they have in, with the most of the books that they were getting secondhand, they were getting from people's libraries, you know, home libraries who were, you know, whatever reason they were moving, there was deaths in the family or whatever. And the booksellers would go out and actually buy people's libraries. And that's how they would stock their stores. And now with the pandemic, nobody felt comfortable with that. So a number of these bookstores have started to bring in new books. So there's now new books in Wigton as well. Um, and uh, but the book prices are a lot less. The mm -hmm. books, almost nothing is in hardcover. Um, you know, so I'm looking at books that are in my store that are twenty eight dollars in hardcover and you can get them in Scotland for 10 pounds in paperback. And right now, 10 pounds is about ten dollars. So mm -hmm. um, so the, the prices are much less um, and not having to wait a year or more for for a hardcover to come out in paperback is certainly an advantage. Did you uh, take an extra suitcase to <laughs> to bring back your books? You well, want? you know, we, we we had learned the hard way the first couple of times um, that we um, we we are very judicious in what we pick. You know, like if I can if if I can get it in 
at my store, I'll you know steal the title and order it when I get to the U.S. But some stuff you can't get, and so that's the kind of stuff we would bring back with us. Um, and some of you know, it, since they're secondhand stores, they have a you know number of out of print books that you wouldn't necessarily be able to find. And some British books, you know, just don't make it over here. Um, mm-hmm. So you you kind of have to grab those when you when you're over there. Yeah. So so we came back with books. Don't worry. Yeah. Now, now something I'm very excited about, and mm-hmm. I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and tease it, even though we okay, you can tease totally it. <laughs> firmed it up. But in the new year, you're coming back onto the show with, I presume, the bookseller friend that you've been talking about. That you yes, remember? yes, um, uh, dates to be determined, but it should be mm-hmm. in January. And joining us will be Joyce Cochran of the Old Bank Bookshop, who is not only a bookshop owner, but she's also my wonderful host when I'm in Scotland. And we yeah. live upstairs in her, on the second floor of her house. And she and her husband run the bookstore. And uh, so you'll hear some pretty exciting stories about Wigton. Oh, I can't wait. And go, going there is on my bucket list. So this will be. Oh, yeah. It should be on everybody's bucket list. Yeah. This will yeah, be a good primer for that. It's uh, people that go to this book festival have gone for years. Um, it is so everything is so close in physically in proximity that you end up seeing everybody and you end up sitting beside the same person, you know, two events in a row, people know each other from coming from various years. Um, so it is a huge social event as well as a book festival. And the authors are in the community also. So you're eating in a, in a coffee house and you're sitting next to one of the authors that you're, you just saw two hours ago. So it's, uh, it's a very personal kind of experience um so one everybody should try is there anything like that in the u.s i haven't found that yet you know it's funny (laughs) i'm such a promoter of a scottish book festival (laughs) i've never actually been to one in the u.s (laughs) Uh, because when i do this i take i like this time i took three and a half weeks off from the store and um you know i that that that's a that's it's hard on everybody for me to do that um but it, it's definitely worth it um so i don't i don't actually go to book festivals in this country so i honestly <laughs> couldn't tell you i i hope that there is um but i don't actually know so maybe one of your listeners can let you know if there's one i should check out that's right listeners write in and let me know <laughs> exactly <laughs> right so i want to i want to ask you one of one of our listeners favorite questions okay um and it's and it's what books do you like to keep in your back pocket as as an as an as a if I could spit it out a recommendation for a customer who comes in without much okay. to go on other than that they are looking for a good book to read. So what do you like the hand sell? Okay, um, well you know changes all the time, but I right. have three that I'm really hot on right now, and I'll give you those three titles. Um, all are in paperback, which is always easier to sell than hardcover at least for me. Um, that The first one is called Matrix by Lauren Groff, which is about a convent in the 1400s in France. Um, and it's all about female empowerment. And um, it's a, just an amazing book. And her writing, it, it's not a long book. It's maybe 250 pages, but she, mm. I mean, she covers... 80 years in this woman's life. Um, it's, it's, an, it's an amazing book. Um, and then the other one, um, which is sort of the, the yin and yang, well, it, it, maybe not a yin and yang, um, is called The Memoirs of Stockholm Sven 
by Nathaniel Ian Miller. And it's about a man who wants to get away from it all. And he's on an, he gets, goes to an island uh, out in the Arctic Circle, um, which is based on a true story. And I didn't even know this island existed. And actually, people lived out there in very harsh conditions. Um, but I think of it as um, a gentleman in Moscow goes to the Arctic. Because um, this is about his maybe 30 years of being out there. It's a novel. Um, but it's based on some historical facts. Um, and he can't actually ever get away because people are always coming out to see him. <laughs> Who would have thought they would, <laughs> would want to go out to the Arctic Circle to see this guy? Um, so it's a it's a it's a great, great story um, of survival and um and community. So that's a great book. You and know, I'm not other- sure. I think mm-hmm. I'm 21 episodes in now. Mm-hmm. And asking this, they mm-hmm. tend to blur together. But I mm-hmm. think somebody else might have had that one on their list. In a oh, it's that. you know it. It unfortunately came out last year in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. and there's always such big books that come out in the fourth quarter that are heavily promoted for the holiday season. And I think I, I don't know how I ended. I, I think I got a reading copy in advance or something. I, I don't know what prompted me to pick it up, but I, once I started it, I couldn't stop. Um, but it, I, you know, people just didn't know about it. So it came out in paperback about a month ago, two months ago, maybe. Um, and so I've made it my mission <laughs> to sell this book because it is a, it is just a terrific book. You know, if you were going to get stuck at, if you're going to get snowed in this winter, this is the wonderful book. And it also deals with snow, but it's just a great story. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that that's one to have on your shelf of to be read books. And then the last one I'm going to recommend is a trilogy. I love, and it's not a science fiction trilogy. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not a science fiction reader. Um, but it's a, um, before I was in Scotland um, in September, I was actually in Paris for a few days. And so I, um, I like to read books about where I'm going. And I actually saw this recommended in the New York times. They're doing these ser- series about books to read about different cities and countries and they recommend this series called vernon subutex and it's one two and three um this is number three that i happen to have right here um and it is just it's it's very 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 contemporary um uh, very parisian um pretty um no holds barred about what's what's life is like for younger people um and um it's about a man who um, at the start of book number one um, was one of the last vinyl record stores in Paris and he loses the store and becomes homeless. And it's about him and all the people that came to the store who became his friends. It was very much a community center. Um, uh, How they try to help him in his hour of need. And it's uh, the stories are all interwoven, and the characters are all, you know, they keep bumping into each other in different situations. But it, it's all deal, you know, the center of this whole thing is Vernon, um, who actually kind of likes being homeless and doesn't really want to be saved. Uh, so it's it's a it's a great great read. Um, you know, it gives you you know, you get about uh, four uh, fifteen hundred pages or so of. Uh, of 
Vernon's Parisian life, but it's, it's, <laughs> I, 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 the reason I'm, I've got ver- volume three here is because I'm reading volume three right now. I'm finishing it up. And uh, it's, it's a great, great um, trilogy. And I, you know, one summer I spent the whole summer reading the Elena Ferrante four books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love to find a really long, you know, kind of juicy, time-consuming trilogy or whatever Mm -hmm. Uh, there's you know where you don't have to say oh that was a really good book you can go oh there's two more to go (laughs) so so those are my three now i have now i have three well i guess technically five more books to put on (laughs) that's true i I, that's true i i I lied i didn't actually have three i had five (laughs) i I say the listeners love this but i I just i just selfishly ask it for myself too (laughs) (laughs) that's good that's good fred i could talk to you all day but i think we've been at it a while now and i know you're going to come back yes uh very soon i hope yes Yes. but before we go tell Mm -hmm. us where people can find you do you have a website Mm -hmm. or any social media platforms anything you want to you want to toss out there Okay, well, the easiest way to find us is to come to 2 East Main Street in beautiful downtown Frostburg, Maryland. Uh, but if you're not in the immediate neighborhood, uh, we don't, what a surprise, we don't actually have a website. Uh, but you can communicate with us through Facebook, and you can email us at MainStreetBooks at Comcast.net. Um, or you can give us a phone call, 301-689-5605. Um, and we are ready to go i mean we you know we ship uh, honestly during the pandemic i actually learned to ship around the world so <laughs> yeah, so we shipped a book to portugal we shipped a book to ireland um you know so um wherever you are you can find us huh. but it is worth the trip if you can get there in person well thank you sir I, i'll attest to that fact <laughs> it's been great to catch up great to talk yes. to you and yes. uh and come back soon i hope to thanks Bookstore Explorer is produced and hosted by me, Matt Browning. Our theme music is Come Right Back to You by Max Hickson. You can follow all my bookstore explorations at bookstoreexplorer.com or on Instagram and Facebook at Bookstore Explorer. And follow us on Twitter at Bookstore EXPLR. Thanks for listening.